0: Welcome to the Seattle Code Crafters Meetup. Uh, my name's Paige Watson and um, I'm, I'm pleased you're here. We are a language agnostic group that uh, really focuses on growing our craft and growing our practices and becoming better at well, creating software. Um, today we're joined by Austin Chadwick and Chris Lucian who have a great show called the mob mentality show. Fabulous. Uh, worth a, a listen. Any chance they you get. Um, and uh, I've met, I met Chris in person, at, what, at uh, agile open Northwest in 2016.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a long time ago.
0: <laughs> and, and I don't know, Austin, if we met in person yet, uh, we kind of, talked about that, but we should, we will, at least in May of next year, if not before. Nice. So, <laughs> right yeah. on. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to let them take it away and, uh, and I'm excited about uh,
2: what we're going to hear today. Awesome. Awesome. So I'll kind of kick it off. Uh, yeah. Without further ado, thanks, Paige. We're, we're we feel super Fortunate to join you guys, what a, what a great group, great, great group of people, and what we'll be talking about today is unleashing the power of mobbing and code craft, kind of bringing those two concepts together. Uh, what we got on the agenda is uh, uh, mob programming and craftsmanship, what we do in our environment and a tour of mobbing, so it's kind of a never-before-seen uh, tour, uh, at least virtual tour in the public sense of uh, what our environment is like. And then Chris and I will be sharing on the synergy of craftsmanship and ensemble programming. And then uh, as we're going, we'll be queuing up questions. Uh, So we'll be doing a Lean Coffee AMA, ask us anything uh, style thing. And in the chat right now, I'm going to post a link to uh, kind of the retro board that we have up here. Uh, It's kind of in the Lean Coffee style. and. yeah, there we go, there's my cursor. And so uh, so during the talk, you can go to this link and then you type what you want into a card right here and then drop it in the to discuss column for any questions or topics that come up that you'd like to discuss after our uh, sharing session is done. And then we'll uh, do Typical Lean Coffee to go through those until we run out of time. Uh, should be a good time. And so uh, uh, now we will give you our tour and so to kick us off, I'll hand it over to Chris, who will show what it looked like pre-COVID uh, that I got to experience for a couple of years that Chris experienced for a long time. So take it away, Chris. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. So uh, this is our environment. Uh, when we were in person, uh, this building, we actually gave up the lease <laughs> from, from COVID. Um, but yeah, a couple of key things that are still intact. Uh, the... Uh, One-hour skills, learning sessions in the mornings and two hours at the end of the day. Um, uh, you know, the teams doing retrospectives in the back, uh, you know, in mod programming in general, all the brilliant minds work on the same thing at the same time, same space on the same computer, a uh, uh, quote from Woody. And, um, you know, basically, uh, we still work this way today and we'll, we'll kind of walk you through that. Um, The team has grown uh, a bit uh, and still growing. We're we're going to be adding additional mobs uh, very soon. Um, And uh, yeah, so in general uh, things, you know, we had our CI servers back there and, you know, now a lot of them are cloud-based. We still have some on-prem because we're working on IoT products and we need serial ports for some things. Um, and uh, yeah, typical day it looked like this with product owners, you know, uh, jumping into the mobs. Uh, kind of no no real need for a stand-up session because the the team is kind of in the middle of work. The product owner stops by to talk about uh, things. And so it's kind of like a, a stand up, but it's a working session at the same time. Um and uh, and you can kind of see all the information radiators. We have new ways of doing that uh being in in a remote environment as well. And, uh, you know, uh, the the need for hand sanitizer, though, has gone away. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, yeah, that that was kind of a a big thing, actually, even before COVID um, was like, oh, hey, we're going to be touching the same mouse and keyboard all the time. And so uh, that was a pretty interesting um, bit. But uh, we, you know, kind of do the driver navigator uh, style thing, uh, um, all the different mob roles uh, as well that we could talk about. And, um,, uh, you know, these side workstations, now everybody's kind of remoting in from their laptop. so they have a, a workstation on the side versus not. Um, we still uh, have a kind of meeting for corporate stretching <laughs> as well. Uh, and so so that happens. And you know this this is kind of funny. the ab- average cubicle cost. So, um, you know, basically, you can set up a mobbing station for less money than a uh, than a cubicle. And now, if you're remote, then you can set up a remote station for less than a mobbing station. Um, everything on wheels again. Yeah. So, so that was all kind of environment sort of stuff. Uh, also noise was a big problem here. Um, after this video was taken, we actually put a bunch of sound abatement equipment up, uh, in the, in this building. Um, and now being remote, um, that's helped a lot as well. Uh, and yeah, so I don't know, Austin, do you have anything to add to this? Story? Well, it did say the director is
2: not being annoying. And I don't know if I can say that for you all the time. Yeah, yeah, still, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nice. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I was in one of those mobs and for several years in person, it was a really good time. And then we transitioned to remote. And so uh, kind of being in the same room has translated a bit. Chris, you want to talk about that translation a bit <laughs> before we walk into some of the particular mobs?
1: Yeah, so um, you can kind of see uh, from here from a, a number of things. So, so Microsoft Teams really actually supports walking around the room really well, quote unquote. Um, And so you'll see a series of cameras and we'll zoom in uh, in later slides, but um, on the left there. And so each of those are actively working teams that you can kind of drill down into. Uh, You'll see tabs at the top there of uh, all our information radiators. So all of those things are accessible and these are individual by channel. So um, basically everything that we had up on the walls is now just up on uh, as tabs in this area. Uh, our Kanban boards and everything along those lines are all integrated to this view as well. So if you're if you're sitting in Microsoft Teams, you can kind of do everything you need to do to you know be quote unquote in that room. Um, you can pin channels uh, from different teams, and so you can kind of get context specific uh, information and also shared information. So everything. So so this view right here is what you'd see if you were kind of looking. Uh, you know, it kind of gives you a, a whole picture of what's going on in the entire department um, with all of those pin, uh, uh, pins there, so. And uh, so you can check out the, the so those cameras, so, so also in um, during learning sessions, everybody goes into the general area and posts their learning sessions. So you can see here that there's two being hosted simultaneously. They have different groups of people. Um, this screenshot was taken when I was a little less active, but uh, you know, basically you, you can have multiple learning mobs that are cross team. Um, you can kind of see the green squares on the left there. Those are the general uh, things. And then every other colored square is project specific. So this is a channel that everybody can see and anybody can join these learning sessions easily. Nice. and now we'll start drilling into some of the mobs to give you kind of a tour
2: of uh, concrete examples of what it's like and how it works out. Uh, so we're going into the first mob here. So you just tap on it as if you were in Teams, and then you'll see when you go into the channel, you'll see the history of kind of their uh, either asynchronous chat because uh, it's kind of just a chat channel, but also their mob sessions. So right now they're pairing, but yesterday it was a mob, and uh, you know you can see the various uh, things in the history there. And then if you kind of go next and focus in on the team, you can see, as Chris talked about there, there's Kanban here. Uh, the team has you know, power to create whatever tabs they need uh, and create the things they need. So the Kanban board, that was the whiteboard in the uh, in-person is now virtual Kanban board, but it's integrated in the environments. And to kind of hover in, uh, to focus in on this team, um, this particular team is desktop cloud IoT for domain. As you can tell, we're redacting some things, uh, but for a specific uh, business domain. And uh, what's unique about this mob is one of the members uh, used to be in the peer product space, product owner, product marketing, or that that kind of thing, uh, very specific to the domain. But over the years, he's he's also uh, has tech skills, and now he's just a member of the mob. So that just highlighting that, because each mob has their own uh, unique uh, uh, ecosystem, so to speak. I remember Chris saying once that each mob is like its own uh, uh, what'd you call it, like a mom and pop shop with their own rules and uh, yeah, boutique, <laughs> boutique. That's it, right? Because each team has uh, extreme ownership of how they operate. And so um, this particular team is uh, used to be eight um, uh, people. Uh, now it's down to three. Uh, when they were eight, they used to roll dice uh, every so often to switch off who was in the kind of sub mobs. Uh, they're doing a strangler pattern on old desktop languages and tech to new. Uh, there's some serverless and some traditional. Uh, And one thing to highlight uh, with all the mobs, uh, but this one too, is uh, they're full stack. So everyone who is needed is there to get the job done. Um, And as you can see, if someone's out for vacation or whatever, then you're pairing. And so that allows people to take vacations and have that freedom. And uh, you can switch in and out of this mob by finding other people and other mobs to switch with. Um, And that's kind of uh, the way it works generally. And how about this next team, Chris? Chris?
1: Uh, Yeah, so uh, this team in particular, um, mobile stack, uh, communicating with IoT, so it's kind of like mobile cloud and then um, uh, kind of hardware uh, that moves along. Um, You can kind of see that even though the product owner is not in the meeting, they can still chat with the meeting. So they they have a running chat even with the product owner during that meeting. and, uh, you know, or a side chat. And so the, in this case, uh, you know, the product owner noticed that a, a team member, um, you know, from another team had joined and, uh, and was kind of talking to them. Um, and so it was kind of a, a, a nice thing. So they can see who's in there working right now, um, maybe don't know context about what they're working on, but they can interact uh, easily. So um, this is, uh, again, kind of what I was talking about earlier, simulating the walking around the office. Um, you know, there, there's, uh, uh you know, s- Strangler patterns from old, old to new, um, the code base is, uh, is very highly, uh, unit tested. Everything, everything has been essentially done test first in these environments. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been really interesting.
2: Nice, nice. Yeah. And I think it is implicit what you said, Chris, but the, Anyone we interact with has the ability to quote, unquote, walk around the room in Teams. So they have that access um, and they can join, pop in and join a mob at any time. And uh, switching to a collection of Teams, um, I'm highlighting two here. Um, And uh, so if we see there and we go take a look at them. uh, So this used to be a larger group um, of 11 and uh, they used to switch uh, very often, some of them uh, every couple of days, and uh, they used to be kind of considered one big team. And then, so this has been a recent experiment, the inverse Conway maneuver. Uh, and so now they're two to three mobs or three people, uh, kind of more stable in that fashion. Uh, I point out uh, this person joining in because he is a UX UI specialist. And uh, he's kind of, uh, 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 we, have, we had him in a previous mob mentality episode. But uh, you know, teams will flash the bat signal when they need help with that kind of stuff, and they'll come join and mob with them and uh, you know, do some CSS or HTML or anything uh, to help with that. And so that kind of shows that kind of floating specialist pattern with mobbing. Um, and uh, yeah, so from a tech standpoint, uh, it is uh, web cloud, IoT, uh, trans strangling to newer uh, web. Uh, a mix of serverless and traditional, kind of strangling to more serverless. And uh, they're working to eliminate the daily standup now that they're smaller teams. Uh, and kicking on over to the next
1: team, Chris. Uh, yeah, so uh, this is pretty interesting. So there, there was a team that came on from an acquisition and uh, across from across the world, so they're, they're in Australia and um this team here uh is um the a, a uh, kind of mobbing counterpart so so their team is, uh, in australia is largely um you know not really modified uh, in any way even their working style but but this mob is operating uh in uh, in order to kind of essentially help and integrate into their team um and so uh you know there's there's a team with uh, more more traditional style that um uh that we're not we're trying not to disrupt but augmenting with a mob uh, in in another time zone um and so uh, they got some they have some really uh, cool stuff going on um uh one of the people in this group is a devops specialist as well and uh and a, a lot of um and, and our our specialist roles it's kind of important to mention is that um, they mob normally on whatever the team's working on, full stack. Uh, however, their learning sessions are focused in their specialty, typically. And so, so a specialist will learn in their area and focus learning in their area, but will operate on the full stack with everyone else in the rotation. Um, and uh, and bounce around as needed for for teams that need help. Uh, but yeah, so so there's a really interesting uh, pattern. And so uh, both teams are kind of influencing each other in different ways, as well as uh, collaborating, and it's gone very smoothly. So that's an interesting note.
2: Next up is my current mob. And so uh, what's really interesting about the, this team is that uh, most of the ones you saw before were um, one mob or one team or s- sets of mobs and people supporting one product. Uh, This is uh, this is a team that supports 20 to 30 different apps and domains. Uh, A lot of it's internal. Some of it uh, has some very significant external customer facing stuff. Uh, But what's really unique about it is that, uh, you know, you could, uh, you know, release an enhancement to production in the morning and then uh, go to lunch and then come back and then work on a fix in the afternoon for completely different tech stack um, and completely different domain. And it's just whatever is the most important among those 20 to 30 different apps. And so CICD is always important, but it's very important with this one because uh, you got to have really solid, ready-to-go pipelines to sustain and keep all those things working well. And so it's been a lot of fun. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I want to jump in here. So so T stands for Tools and Enterprise Applications. Um, And this is the longest-lived MOB. So this MOB has existed for 12 years now or so. Um, And so this is the MOB that I worked on when MOB programming first started as a term uh and a lot of those apps you know so so anybody on that team may be modifying stuff that that we did back then and i was in a, a meeting recently and there was an app that uh basically had need hadn't needed you know minor updates and, and i was like wow you know we've been deploying to this thing uninterrupted with no no real problems for the last 10 years and uh so it was kind of like a a really cool thing and so no and no bugs reported from that system like maybe it's had one bug report in five years or something like that so it's just like a single project um you know with just constant use and no real bug so so it's very cool like out of the you know many many projects and products there's there's a lot of risk there but it's very safe to work in the environment which is cool yeah yeah it really is
2: and uh Sometimes you're in really old tech and sometimes you're in cutting edge tech, but what's one cool thing to see is you see a lot of the practices. You can just feel it in the code as you're working on it. Um, And uh, yeah, so uh, let's join this T-Mob. So obviously we're not really joining them right now, but this is a kind of a simulation of what it's like to join one of these uh, mobs remotely. Uh, So I'll kick off this video and I think I need to turn off the audio. There we go. Okay, cool. So we're just looking at the video. And so when you join the mob, it's kind of similar to this uh, Zoom session we're in now where there you have the faces and then we're sharing a uh, environment. And so in this environment, we're sharing an IDE that's got continuous tests running. Um, if this looks familiar to anybody, this is the tennis kata uh, just as an illustrative example, uh, but you still have the driver navigator going on in the bottom right. Uh, it's saying that Art is driving, I am navigating and uh, Juan is a mobber. And uh, yeah, any other parts of uh, the remote version of uh, mobbing Christy you wanna highlight uh, from this video?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, just, just you know, so I, this is kind of like a, a side thing, but you see the, the green squares in the gutters is a application called Wallaby or .net world might have ncrunch, but it's the idea that the tests run right away. So like one really important thing with mobs in general is that you're your, like your feedback cycle is as small as possible because waiting for waiting developers is much more expensive than one waiting developer. Um, and so you'll see in a lot of our practices that we have kind of the uh, we jump for instantaneous feedback loops often um and uh, and so getting you know kind of instant feedback is uh, is just really important for us and that goes into the hardware, the tooling everything so. Nice, nice. And
2: you'll notice that uh, this there's many ways to do remote mob programming. Um, what's very common, maybe the most common is kind of a Git handover tool, which is excellent. I've done that a little bit. Um, and so what you do is you sh- take turns sharing screens for whoever's driving. Uh, so you know if Art were sh- uh, driving, he would sh- share his screen in Zoom or whatever tool. And then, and then when someone else's switches, then you would uh, switch to their screen share. And then the code uh, flies between the c- computers over GitHub what you're about to see here in four seconds is that we are sharing an actual computer, kind of like what we did when we worked in person. And now this transitions, uh, this is a tool called there's a lot of great tools out there for uh, facilitating uh, switching. Um, And uh, so now I'm driving and Juan is navigating. And, uh, and one benefit of this style is you can mob on anything. So it's not just code you're sharing. So this one, you can share everything. So we'll start the morning mobbing uh, email, we call it Email Kanban <laughs> to knock yeah. that off. And then uh, we'll get into uh, you know any Teams notifications, and then we'll get into our normal Kanban and get into the flow of work, uh, which is largely code, but it might be diagrams, it might be anything that you can uh, share in a, a desktop.
1: The, the nice thing about, so the tool that they're using there is AnyDesk, uh, and there's also TeamViewer. Um, the one thing that's really nice about those is that everybody has the same context together. It's like looking at the same monitor where, um, you know, you might see like Amazon cloud nine IDE, which is like everybody can be looking at a different tab, but has access to the same console. Um, that, that kind of, you know, spreads focus. And then, and then obviously the Git handover, um, I think works well, uh, with, with maintaining the context between everyone, but, um, there, uh, you'll see that there's a hovering cursor uh, uh, up in the middle of the screen moving around. So that's another person with a pointer that's able to kind of just point out what they're talking about while they're navigating if they need additional help, um, if line numbers aren't <laughs> working exactly for them verbally. So, so that's another important point. Nice,
2: nice. Yeah, lots of great options for tools. And uh, kind of kicking it at the meta... Uh, you know, kind of more director level uh, thing, uh, Chris, <laughs> yeah. of
1: of our environment. Uh, how how do we uh, prioritize work and that kind of thing? Yeah, so uh, this this is kind of work prioritization. So uh, basically, features come in. We base it off cost of delay. Um, we then determine and eliminate known unknowns, uh, and then we uh, kind of budget. So so if there are uh, known unknowns. Um, then we'll budget a proof of concept and eliminate the known unknowns. Uh, then we budget and deploy a minimum viable product. And then if we discover any new unknown unknowns, then we go loop back. And then if not, we go on to the next feature. So um, what this looks like in practice is, you know, feature comes in, we we get a release out. Uh, often, you know, so so you know, if if we ever work on anything. Um, for a particularly long time, uh, then it's probably too big, and so these things end up breaking down um, somewhere in the like you know less than four hour chunks, um, and they you know it, it's more more of like a same sizing process than than anything. Um, if if you're doing that, but uh, but it's it's story split as best you can, and then and then go through, and then whatever we need to get to the customer as quickly as we can, we we do so. Nice. Yeah. And uh, one thing I'll add here is that uh, we'll mob everything
2: together. So sometimes it'll be very much like a a code kata where it's like, Hey, this uh, has little unknowns and we're largely implementing. So we'll, you know, be the commits will be very high, which I'll get to in a second in your next slide, you know, committing like every few minutes, every refactor, every feature added, every test, all that kind of stuff. And then there'll be modes where, hey, uh, there's this business problem and it's big and lots of unknowns. And so we'll do brainstorming and rapid experimentation together as a mob. Sometimes there'll be five experiments going on because there's one going on in the mob station and one on everybody's computer. We're trying to figure out how to do a thing um, or you know, interacting with customers and stakeholders to figure out the best way to solve the business problem. So you'll see kind of both cycles of figuring out knowns and unknowns in a mob. Uh, yeah, one thing we'll... Uh, we, I look at these daily and I know some people who do as well, uh, especially for the mob I'm on right now, we're supporting 20 to 30 different apps. Uh, so it's good to have a high level view on what's the pipelines looking like for all the apps we're supporting. But uh, as a whole department, uh, we'll get together on occasion and uh, talk about the door metrics. So that's uh, we'll talk about deployment frequency, lead time for changes, mean time to recovery, change failure rate and this uh, automated uh you know svg that looks at all our pipelines and uh, uh shows uh delivery helps us facilitate that discussion uh so you can see here this one in the middle um it's been delivering to production every day for a very long time this one up top had some issues yesterday kind of in the the setup f- part of the pipeline uh this one down here had a bu- had a, a crash in the pipeline oh doing a fire drill which is like an automated uh uh, check that our databases can be uh, restored successfully and that kind of thing. And so um, yeah, so that's kind of a high level look
1: at uh, door. Anything on that one, Chris, before going to the next? Yeah, you'll just notice on the left there, uh, the drill one, drill two, setup, test, and prod. And so um, the the fire drills are really important to me. And And some people <laughs> kind of roll their eyes or whatever. But it's this idea that It's like, if you, you know, can you select data that was recent from prod in a restored backup? Uh, Because I've seen teams go on long times without ever having restored a backup and then realizing that the backups haven't been working for years um, and losing everything. And so, so um, if there's, so these fire drills are automated. And so they, they discovered a failure in their backup, you know, right away but um but you know every team is required kind of at least once a year to make sure that they're fired their their whole system is functioning as they expect yeah, yeah and then chris's annoying fire drills
2: were like well if we automate it we don't have to do it anymore so yeah exactly <laughs> so what i do is i try to irritate
1: people until they automate it <laughs> nice and how about this chart chris yeah so this is the commit impact chart so this uh every circle on this chart is a commit to a repo from a source and Uh, The size of it is a logarithmic scale based on the number of commits. And so you can kind of like Austin was talking about earlier, you can kind of tell uh, when people are in research mode or in kind of like delivery mode. Um, And, uh, you know, so there's like a lot of commits that happen on the right there, but then an absence of commits. Uh, green is on the main branch for like trunk based development and yellow is on the master branch. And we also have alerts like if the branch if a branch ever becomes more than two days out of sync with uh, master, then like go and follow up with the team. Um, and then also uh, the um, that very top one there is also automated commits happening from uh, systems like uh, translation services and stuff like that. Excellent, excellent.
2: Well, that was kind of the beginning of our tour, and now we can talk about, since this is a crafter group, you know, kind of the synergy I've experienced in the last five years of doing ensemble or mob programming. And uh, we can jump right into uh, what comes to mind for me most uh, with uh, uh, code crafting is just well-crafted quality software. So uh, delivering quality software, um, and, uh, so what comes to mind for me are things like TDD, refactoring, domain-driven design, patterns, all these kind of things. And, uh, for me, there is a gigantic correlation to working in an environment. Like I just, uh, showed, uh, like we just shared, uh, with, uh, high quality software. So, uh, there's a big correlation, um, with low bugs, which we'll talk more about in a bit, but also just the ability to, cause, um, Crafting software well is is a, you know, uh, there's there's a good learning curve to it, but it's, it's fairly steep in my experience. And so having uh, someone in your mob kind of guiding you, learn a new pattern or learn a new refactoring or learn how to do TDD or uh, being able to pull someone in to say, like, ah, yeah, I've seen this code smell before. I don't remember how to handle it. And you can be like, oh, I remember uh, so-and-so in the other mob. And then we can just invite them and they come join the mob and help us through it. Um, and, uh, so just being in an environment where that's, you know, experts or other eyes and other opinions are highly accessible has been a big win for me.
1: All right. Uh, so, um, yeah, so, so it, you, you, have, you know, a lot of learning sessions, a lot. So, uh, the technology adoption, um, and, uh, you know, kind of unfamiliarity with tools can, can occur as well. Um, and so you know ensembling can help uh share the knowledge between uh people very easily um, but also the learning sessions have some content on that and I, I see that there's some questions around those um and so uh but you know essentially um you know there's there's a regular adoption uh, of new tools we don't really uh, shy away from that uh it, it's the team's productivity is more of like a measure of like how fast can the team learn uh, new things and 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 uh, adopt, and also the ability to safely migrate from like one system to another easily? Um, uh, so yeah, yeah, and uh, <clears throat> yeah. Since mobbing, I've learned
2: ten times the amount of technologies and tools uh, that I knew in my first ten years of software development. So it's been really really fun. So almost like going to a conference every day. <laughs> yep. um, And uh, responsibility defects and mobbing. So, uh, you know, we do not tolerate preventable defects is kind of code crafting and uh, take big responsibility for quality and testing it thoroughly. Um, And so uh, there's been a large correlation with mobs I've been on uh, that we've had uh, zero, uh, bug zero, hashtag bug zero, kind of the Arlo Belshi thing that you can look up. Um, And so sometimes that's quite literally zero or other times it's just so low that it's pretty much zero. And um, and so usually uh, in our environment, there's usually uh, code craft people around that are there to help sh- spread the practices that help that make make that kind of thing happen. Um, there are times, you know, uh, full disclosure, where mobs don't have those kind of people, and then you don't really get that effect as much. You know, the multiple eyes does help, but uh, um, you know, but if you have a good environment, have the right people, it really spreads like wildfire, and uh, it's, it's been awesome to see.
1: All right. So uh, this one might be controversial. Uh, so <laughs> kind of in the principles and maybe I wouldn't have striked through the second sentence, but the the first sentence. So we, we don't estimate with diligence because uh, <laughs> we don't estimate. Um, but we also do not let fear or pressure uh, make us promise what we can not deliver. So I would unstrike through the bottom one. Um, but I just wanted to kind of, you know, tell you the software estimation paradox as I've written it on my blog we can estimate well what we have done many times before software developers automate what is repetitive and time consuming to estimate something well one must have repeated it many times before and not automated it why would a software developer not automate something they've repeated many times before so um this idea is that you know you know i believe personally that estimation is inherently damaging to a uh, a a system where you are Uh, essentially capable of automating many things as you go Mm -hmm. forward. And so, you know, if you've done it enough times to estimate it well, then you can probably automate it uh, sooner. So,
2: nice, nice, and uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there are lots of other techniques and tools we use to, uh, you know, facilitate uh, the discussion well to figure out the next most important thing to work on. And maybe we'll pick that up in the MA. Uh, And steadily adding value, completed work and ensembling. Uh, Complete our work, we don't make excuses. So that, the way that translates, uh, that kind of principle translates for us is I think heavily dependent on slice, slice, slice. (laughs) So, uh, you know, so slicing, you know, story slicing is a good skill. And I'm looking at you, Paul Moore, because I know you've recently taught a workshop on that. Um, And it's also another skill that can help spread through mobs. If someone in the mob knows how to do that well, um, and you see someone picking up a big batch of work, you um, can be like, hey, you know, here's some, what are some ways we can slice this? And then if you're in that mode and you have a good CICD environment set up, then you're always delivering. Uh, so it's kind of like, what have we just delivered and what are we delivering next? And um, as long as you keep the slicing well and you're using good practices to do so, whether that's feature flagging and test driven development and things like that.
1: Yeah, sustainable pace and mobbing. Uh, you know, we work at a sustainable pace and we don't burn out. Uh, at the end of the day, I, would, I would usually, uh, while we were all in person, I kind of yell, you know, uh, uh, you don't have to go home, but you can't program here, <laughs> sort of thing. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big on uh, making using overtime as like an inverse metric, right? So a lot of companies will say overtime is uh, is useful because salaried employees will keep working on something and get more productivity out of them or something. To me, overtime is a signal that uh, that something has gone terribly wrong, and that um, that you can take care of those things in a quality way up front and not be uh, you know draining time, effort, resources, you know people's personal lives into things like overtime. Um, so, so those things can be particularly problematic. Yeah, and and one thing for me that
2: mobbing has helped a lot with that was before when I wasn't mobbing or even pairing, it it was a more complicated decision to take a vacation or, hey, I got to step away to take care of this family thing that's urgent right now. Because, but with a mob, the mob has context and they'll be fine without me there. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and so unless there's this really weird scenario that I haven't seen happen yet where the whole mob is taking a vacation at the same time, um, it's it's really nice for that, and it's really good for uh, healthy work life, family balance and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, diversity of opinion. We embrace differences of opinion and personality. Um, most people think of mobbing. they think like you're highly, you know, highly extroverted. Um, the The truth is is um, a large, large majority, I would guess in the 80, 90 percent uh, people I've mobbed with and uh, in our mobs are more on the introverted scale of things. Um, and so, but we, you know, we embrace all uh, personality types. And so whether that's uh, figuring out the break sequence that works well for you and your mob, figuring out the proper setup, also diversity of opinion, as it looks like Chris is disagreeing with me here in this picture. And I, I embrace that disagreements, disagreement, Chris, that's very good. And so we love rapid experimentation, getting everyone's Uh, building that psychological safety in a mob that's really natural because you're working side by side with people. It's easier to get to know them, feel comfortable to share your opinions. Um, And uh, once you instill kind of that experimentation in a mob where people get their ideas out there, we find safe ways to experiment with them all. And then it naturally leads to uh, uh, easier decisions because everyone's uh, putting all their cards on the table. So it's, uh, yeah, they're great synergy there.
1: Uh, yeah, open source. Uh, so you know, in, in the principles, they say we prefer open source tools that can we can inspect, evaluate, and approve. Uh, we avoid proprietary products and like transparency. For us, uh, I think we are our more best tool for the job <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but um, we do largely uh, operate on open source, um, and uh, you know, so in in general, we we do uh, try to. Um, We have a healthy mix, I guess, is what it is, um, depending on which is the right tool.
2: Nice. Uh, Knowledge sharing is completely natural to ensembling uh, because anyone you're ensembling with or mobbing with, uh, it's almost impossible not to learn from them, right? So if they're driving, you're seeing what keyboard shortcuts they're doing and how they operate uh, the computer. If they're navigating, you're learning their thinking. Um, it's. I feel it feels like if you have a healthy mob, it's impossible to hoard knowledge because uh, there's at least uh, two or three or more other people uh, learning what you know, and you're learning what they know. And so it's kind of both both growing in that way.
1: All right. Um, yeah. So we so so we show respect for our customers and fellow crafters, persons that we do do not act unprofessionally or unethically. Uh, so this has been a, kind of a core principle. Uh, one of the, um, developers on kind of the original, uh, you know, mob that kind of coined the term, uh, had in a retrospective kind of given us, uh, some principles to work off of, which was treat everyone with kindness, consideration, and respect. And that had, had kind of carried forward, uh, in our set of lofty goals, uh, even to this day. Um, and yeah. It's nice. I, I like that so much. I heard. Woody Zool give that in a presentation like yeah. a few years ago and I put it on a sticky note and it's on my bulletin board in my, in my living room, yeah, in my wow. kitchen. And yeah. the kindness, consideration, I respect. That's great.
2: Fantastic. Fantastic. And, and, you know, and it's something, you know, uh, a mob has to work on some, sometimes it comes really easy to a team, but then a team changes and it's something they got to work on. And so, uh, yeah, that, that becomes a crucial skill <laughs> to, to be good at those three things for sure. Uh, transparency is key. So especially if uh, you're not doing estimates like Chris was talking about earlier, um, communication, it becomes essential. And so you saw the various patterns you saw in, in kind of when we're walking through our environment. Some have kind of the customer or product person in the mob. Some just communicate ad hoc as needed. Uh, sometimes the customer joins us. So this is an example here. Uh, when we were in person, uh, this person would uh, just show up in the mob with his dog and it was always a good time. And I recently worked on a product with this individual as well. And he would just show up remotely in the morning in the same way. So it's funny to see the same pattern. (laughs) Um, I think his dog was still there remotely. Uh, Yeah. So I think we, I remember seeing them on camera. So, Um, but yeah, so just always having that open communication, always open for anybody to join that we interact with and just ensuring there's a good cadence, whether that's ad hoc or whether that's on some sort of frequency, here's what we've delivered. Here's what we're working on next. Um, and here are questions and just pulling in whoever is needed to get the work done at that moment, pulling them into that mob and, uh, uh, there's nothing to hide. And, uh, we'll, we'll, share everything that's going on.
1: All right. And then, uh, of course we absolutely partner with our, uh, customers. Um, so, uh, you know, in person, um, you know, in this case, in this particular case, we're on a golf course because one of our products deals with golf, uh, And so um, kind of out there, uh, you know, kind of in it and talking and and interacting uh, with the customers directly. Um, We've also set aside uh, budgets for fly-ins and fly-outs. And so there are people that, you know, we will fly customers in to talk with us as well as fly out to customer locations and watch them because we work in IoT, um, we have a very uh, you know, we have a physical presence with software, which is a very interesting uh, paradigm, and and yeah, it's very cool.
2: Yeah, and I was on this particular uh, trip, and it, um, it, was, it was really fun. We got to drive the golf uh, golf carts around, uh, see the products and software used in real life, see how it's set up, and uh, that really gives you a good feel for it. And so we were actually working remotely at the time, but then we went in in person for this experience, and so it's always good to to mix those in, so you can understand. And so uh, now we'll turn it over to y'all in a uh, a Lean Coffee style. So let me end the slideshow, bring on over the Retro tool. And uh, I've got got some great topics up here. If you were putting questions in the Zoom chat, that's fantastic. Um, But as uh, we're kind of getting started with Lean Coffee here, uh, take a moment to put them into the, Uh, lean coffee board and i'll put the link one more time just in case you missed it before into the zoom chat and uh, feel free to keep adding cards but i guess we'll go ahead and get started with the lean coffee and uh, the way we have usually done lean coffees is uh, you'll have some more minutes while we're kind of reading off the cards to start with but the person who created the card uh, can read uh, their card and then uh, kind of give like a 20 second soundbite to it if they like and then once we get through all the cards we'll vote on them and then we'll Uh, discuss them until we run out of time. Uh, So uh, I guess without further ado, who was the first card on Fowler and others?
3: Yeah, I think that was me. Um, I think even on the remote mob programming site, they say regular monthly get togethers with the folks in person. And just wanted to know if you're doing that even though you've got a distributed workforce now.
2: Excellent, excellent. Cool, who is next with, what are some learning sessions you've done lately? Maybe that one speaks for itself, or someone's unmuting. All good, all good. <laughs> uh, is on-site still possible? And where and what? Where is that office?
3: <laughs> yeah, that was me. That should be pretty straightforward. So. Yeah, nice. Yeah, great question.
2: There's some nuance there, so that'd be a good discussion topic. Uh, explain inverse Conway maneuver. Just wanted to to get a little bit more. I I think I understand
0: the concept, but. Uh, but I'd love to hear your your explanation of
2: what that means to you. Let's talk about what happens in a learning session. Yeah, I wrote that. Um, sounds like these happen daily. Curious like how you choose topics and uh, presenters and like what's the format. That's nice. There might be some affinity here. Are you guys cool if we combine yeah. these two with uh, some recent examples? Yeah. All right, cool. Group those two, so they are in a group. Excellent. Um, what is that app that you're using to display Driver Navigator? This tools mobster. Is <laughs> still a question there?
0: No, I don't think so. I just kind of left it for for uh, um, anybody that that wanted to look at that later. Nice.
2: Uh, is it a cloud system?
3: Yeah, that was that was mine. I run normally run on a 4K TV, personally. And when I try to share that out with people who are running on a laptop, it really doesn't work. So I was just curious how you dealt with mm. the um, <clears throat> share swapping back and forth. And I've heard about using shared cloud computers that basically just everyone tunnels into.
2: Nice. Nice. Good one. Uh, there's some love for the door metrics and question about tool. Any soundbite on that one? I may have put a few in here, but uh um <laughs>
0: I, I do like the image. I'd love to to know about m- more how that was created and if there's a tool or whether you did it in-house, that sort of thing. Nice.
2: Uh will there be highlights and links? Uh y- yeah, the quick an- we can talk more about that card, but the quick answer is yes. Um uh, yes, I'll be sharing that.
3: Thank you. I, I was noticing a bunch of uh, specific tools and other things mentioned, and uh, since this, since we can't actually capture and save the chat, um, that was the question.
2: Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me. Uh, I'll note to capture the chat and put that in as well. Uh, capture Zoom chat. And Paige, can you help remind me to do that <laughs> to get that into the notes? Yeah, certainly. Okay, cool. Thank you. That was good. Uh, Do you hire crafters? And that again is me. It's more about, you
0: know, you were talking about how you have the learning sessions every morning, but like, what do you look for when you're hiring people and how do they join the team? And, you know, are you looking for crafters in particular or, or do you train them up or that sort of thing was the, the questions.
2: Nice. Tools, whiteboard, information radiators, mural, mural. Uh, any soundbite on that one?
0: Um, yeah, that was me. I'm um, just interested in all of those tabs that you showed in the screenshot. Um, where you that you played your physical information radiators with tabs and teams.
2: Excellent. Do you have on call positions and how do you handle that? <laughs>
0: Again, you were talking about the forty-hour week. I just wanted to kind of get an idea of what that that looks like, and and you know, are you still mobbing even in that? Uh, and uh, and then actually, you know, the working agreements one is mine as well, uh, and because I think they're important. Um, it kind of goes back to how do you form the teams and how does everybody there start to know what it is that they're they're doing and how they fit in. Nice.
2: Those are the
0: next two
1: right on uh something you miss about in person yeah i personally really enjoy remote mobbing but i just wanted to check in what is something that stands out for you that you miss from the in-person in-person days
2: yep 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 hearing chris crunches celery as he walks by in the morning yeah (laughs) all right uh what makes a good mobber crafter yeah that was mine nice nice right on i guess it kind of
1: speaks for itself uh chris do you think we should do secret voting for this uh it's probably uh yeah go ahead all right so, so turn on yeah we have secret voting on uh so how many votes do they have three three yeah so everybody so uh can you show them how to put a vote in on your screen
2: sure click the thumb up
1: yeah, so a little green thumbs up shows up when you hover over the card. So just pick the top three that you want to hear about first, and then we'll, we'll reveal, and maybe we'll give a couple seconds on that. Um, and, uh, you know, while you're voting, um, you know, I, I know we said that we talked about the the mobster tool, but there are other tools out there, too. So that card could still have some depth to it, um, and then, uh, yeah, pretty much all of these we can go more at length on. And so we can dive into the topics. Yeah. So hopefully you're getting close to voting. You can keep voting when we turn it off. Your votes are limited. So I think you could just go ahead and turn it off and see where it's at now. Ooh.
2: And let's sort by votes. Awesome, hiring, what a timely topic.
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's almost like we paid the audience to pick this card. Yeah, uh, yeah, so so um, it's interesting because I, I think in the past, um, you know, so, so one thing is it's it's pretty hard to find crafters um, in general. I, I think that, uh, you know, this community is probably a, a very dense <laughs> uh, version, uh, you know, a, a group of people that are crafters versus not or something. But, um, you know, I, I think in the past, our interviews have had uh, definitely a crafter style to them. And our interviews evolved considerably over the years. Um And so initially it was uh, kind of a mob simulation and then we had people join but we didn't give them any context beforehand and so they joined and be like oh my gosh four people are going to watch me program i'm out of here and so we 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 had some pretty bad failures there um and so we we retrospected and, and we added you know kind of warnings videos uh um being very clear about where we're going with it and then and then diving into those things and so um, I think in general, uh, people that have made it through our interviews in general had more of a crafter eye um, than, than not. Um, I'd say that over the years, um, people in you know, fresh out of college don't really have any crafter background at all. Um, and I, I think that's getting better uh, because I think more and more professors are uh, at least teaching unit testing on some level um but it it was extremely rare when we first started mobbing um and so you know i w- i would say that uh um we tried to but i i think gradually over time uh it it's at, at hiring more and more associate engineers um there there have been fewer and fewer people that had that specific background um what we're doing new uh you know i think if you saw uh, steve quo on our on our uh, show uh, he mentioned the 6 minute interview so we've added the 6 minute interview that he mentioned uh during that episode and um and more um kind of lean agile systems thinking sort of uh questions into the interview as well so that's kind of where we're at right now so so the answer is we interview everybody but the people that make it through our interview are are typically more aligned with crafters but we don't really specifically say are you a crafter.
2: Yeah, yeah, the job description is pretty clear what we're looking for. Um and it has a lot of crafter type stuff in there. Um uh, but I've seen two patterns, so the or probably more than two, but sometimes we're trying to hire like a a, a crafter unicorn, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> and other times it's uh we're hiring s- something more entry but it's just someone who's a great re- learner willing to mob willing to uh you know gr- got great uh interpersonal skills and just a great foundation to become a crafter and become a mobber and so uh uh yeah it's kind of seen both uh to the person who asked this question uh, do you have any follow-up questions or or other thoughts no i
0: think that's that's kind of the answer and and only because i i agree it's really often w- harder to find someone who you know i would say falls into that crafter area and and um you know oftentimes i i just kind of like i'd love to hear how other companies do it because i think it's important and and how do we find those people who Maybe they don't have the skills, but they have the want to learn also is that.
2: Awesome, Phil, you got something.
3: Oh, um, so we've had, had some of the same problems. How do you select the right people? And I think the the two things, interviewing with mobbing in it is like, you see how they respond and that tells you quite a bit, okay. right? If they get in and, and try your little kata and have a great old time, they're probably gonna be good. Um, And even if they didn't start out and then the other thing is that idea that we're going to train people, we're going to train everybody, right? You're going to keep doing learning all the time. So the fact that some people start from, you know, only ground the ground floor, right? That shouldn't change, right? You're going to teach everybody. So let's teach them too.
2: Well, cool. Yeah. It reminded me that we also have internships and they intern as a, they, they form a mob, uh, the interns and so we've also had a lot of great hires through that process as well um cool any other thoughts on this one or is it time for the next card let's keep going next up on call <laughs> i yeah i you know I'll, I'll, I'll test the system tonight and see if chris no chris will already be up at 1 a.m what am i what am i thinking now? yeah
1: exactly i'll already be up um yeah, so so uh, our quality has been such that we really haven't had to have people on call. Um, so I think that was, you know, not true. Before mobbing, uh, there were definitely people working way too much. Um, and uh, so so one thing that I did when we started growing the teams, because we were mobbed for about four years and then we formed a department. And then we scaled to, you know, from five people as a mob to a department of 25 people, all mobbing. Um, And in that scaling, I kind of set up some stuff basically saying, hey, if you want us to be on call, let us know. But we're going to, you know, pay for people's cell phones and everything. Like I I outlined kind of costs around it and then and then pay and stuff like that. And quality has been such so far that we've never been asked to have an on call team. and so uh, I I definitely like outlined it and said you know because this is part of the transparency thing I was like this is what it'll cost additionally if we have on call people, um, and uh, and then I also in those costs I, I bake in the cost of delay for unfinished items for tired engineers and stuff like that so I just say hey. If you're gonna put somebody on call, then they're not really gonna be contributing well if they're you know in the normal work side. So uh in general, no. I have I have flow charts on like incident uh um handling and we we explicitly say in there during you know support is business hours only, we we will not respond on the weekends given the current status. And people have been comfortable with that.
2: Yeah, and I think uh autonomy is a big thing here. So sometimes you'll see mobbers ensemblers take it on. Uh, so I recall a you know third party uh I won't name names, but a third party large provider of services uh, went down during uh, holidays or whatever um, and it was impacting customers. Um, so even though it's not required, you know people are invested in their work and they'll uh, you know not necessarily like go and try to fix it, but they'll just be like uh, you know they'll reach out to people and make sure people are in the know. Um, yep. and things like that. But that's all uh, autonomy kind of thing. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can choose to do that. But I, I mean, in general, um, we have many developers that have never worked any overtime and the developers yeah. that have have done so maybe once in a few years to five years yeah. or so. Yeah, um,
2: yep, yep, yep. Cool, any other
1: thoughts or questions on that one?
0: I just, uh, like this is always kind of been one of the questions about about mobbing and that sort of thing. And like, if you're mobbing full time, you know, are you going to also have an on call group or, you know?
1: uh, Um, Um, yeah. So, so maybe, uh, so I think our, our scale is getting large enough that, um, you know, I will probably, you know, we will start hiring in the UTC time zone as well, and we have people in Australia already. So, mm-hmm. uh, theoretically, if you have a bunch of unit tests and you can deploy, then then rather than having on call, it might be just another team that steps in to support a team while yes. they're away. Um, that that would be the strategy during scaling. But but right now, um, you know, if if I, you know, for whatever reason, like a whole team, you know. So so there, there was a period of time where the whole team was buying lottery tickets together or whole mob was buying lottery tickets together with the same numbers, right? And so I was like, well, okay, so if they all win, then they'll <laughs> they'll uh they'll all go away at the same time. So so if they all went away at the same time, I'd be pretty confident in just saying, like, hey, this mob over here, you know, dive into what they were doing, right? Um, and so, you know, that whole bus factor, lottery ticket factor, um, you can uh I given the level of unit testing and, and things along those lines for, you know, an experienced mob, I think they could just dive in and start cranking away on stuff. So that'd be the hope. But in 10 years, not, not really come up.
0: Excellent.
2: Love that. <laughs> nice. All right. I see no hands. Next car. What makes a good mobber and a good crafter? Whoever posed this question, you want to uh, set the stage for this one. Um, just what what kind of attributes or skills or attitude or whatever? You know, what are people's thoughts on on that?
1: Yeah uh well you know so so i thought about this a lot recently because you know as we're going into a bigger hiring phase again um you know so so the kindness consideration respect thing is is really really important um and that that's a little bit of what we look for immediately uh and then and then diving in i think you know the principles that we went over during the slides are a really good indicator of some of the things that we look for as well but um, you know, if, if somebody is, is thinking about the whole system and, and, you know, and obviously they need the technical skills that would support those things. But, um, I think the other piece of it is the more esoteric technical skills, like, uh, refactoring rather than just cranking away on code and naming, you know, good naming, clean code, uh, things like that. So just on a technical side, those are things that just wouldn't appear, but, um, you know, I, I also highlight, um, you know, in our in our associate developers and up, I, I say, you know, we're looking for somebody who's gritty, um, who who can like say, okay, I'm going to refactor this and I'm going to get it to a clean state, um, and has the grit to do that, uh, and then also um, kind of somebody that lives maybe a principle driven uh, um, uh, set of decision making and and going forward. And, and things that I personally find myself asking um, a lot to developers on our team is, um, you know, if if I would prefer you to have an opinion about things going forward. So so when, when I'm like, hey, do you want to do this London style TDD or Detroit style TDD? And they're like, well, we can do either. I don't really care. Um, that's like probably, you know, a worse answer than I don't know what those are. Um, because if you, um, I, I, would, I would say, you know, I would prefer to hear somebody say like, I prefer this or that because, um, and then, and then disagree, but commit at the end, right. Rather than saying, I don't care. Um, and so those, those are some of the things that, uh, I think come to my mind, Austin, I don't know if you have any, or we can go to Georgia. <laughs>
3: nice. Yeah, go ahead, George. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, you start with humility, um, You you add on the fact that uh, you you can't let your ego control the code, right? You you know, to me to me those are the big things. You know, anybody who basically gets upset when someone disagrees with them is automatically sort of suspect. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, I'm with you, and uh, yeah, and I think to kind of yes end what you're saying there, George is for me, like in a, to say it very succinctly, it'd be just like radical candor and extreme programming. Um, uh, but like the radical candor piece you're talking about, yeah, disagreement should be celebrated kind of the, going back to the code craft principle of diversity of opinion is what we're seeking. And so when people are sharing their opinions, that's, that's excellent. That means we have more experiments to run. That means we have uh, a greater chance of innovation and uh, the best idea, uh, making it into the code or the product. And so, and then, uh, yeah, extreme programming um, is kind of like what go-to go for me when I'm looking for this, but uh, you know, I could play buzzword uh, soup here and kind of read off of the, the open job position or whatever, but like, uh, you know, teaming well, crucial conversations, um, you know, systems thinking, I think Chris mentioned that, extreme ownership, clean architecture, uh, you know, clean code, TDD, uh, facilitation, refactoring to patterns, you know, th- these are all things that come to mind. Uh, just to name a few, um, but yeah, any other thoughts on that topic?
3: Well, I, I just want to say that um, one of the reasons I promote pairing at a minimum so yeah. much is because if I interpret the requirements one way, and my pair interprets it another, you don't have an argument. You go get clarification, <laughs> and so the likelihood of you building the wrong thing is goes down dramatically. But yeah. to do that, you basically have to not insist that your view is the only view. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, and uh,
2: yeah, and, and I love that about mobbing and pairing too is that uh, usually the disagreements sort themselves out by like experimentation, like he said. Well, let's go talk to the person and find out, <laughs> or let's turn on some analytics and see what people are doing out there, you know, in the in the production world, or. Let's try the code in a safe environment and see what it does. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, that, that's awesome. Cool. Any other thoughts on this one? All right, moving on. Example learning sessions. And what happens in a learning session?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, so so I can kind of give give you some examples of recent ones that I've seen. Um, So so there's learning. Well, actually, let me talk about I'll talk about what happened originally. Um, So so, you know, when Woody joined Hunter, uh, he um, uh, he put in place Kanban and uh, and learning sessions. Right. Um, And so the learning sessions then were uh, essentially uh, dedicated um, uh they were always uh kind of randori style um where you know somebody takes the keyboard somebody navigates they navigate the driver and everybody rotates on akata uh and so i think we did tic-tac-toe like a million times um <laughs> as the uh you know over again once again from the beginning over again um as 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 the team got better and as those skills became kind of more ubiquitous and and uh, you know uh things kind of expanded out and then as the as the team was growing there was a desire to to branch off of that um and do more you know directed or or maybe team focused and so learning sessions uh, today and in the future, you know, in the past, there was a really important one where it was like, hey, let's do database continuous uh, delivery. So right now everything on our pipeline goes to prod automatically, but our database doesn't. And so the team decided to learn Flyway and uh, Redgate data compare. And so learning sessions were specifically about exploring those technologies and, um, and so, you know, one developer went and learned it all, and then and then started hosting learning sessions with kata's around around database continuous integration, and then Flyway and uh, and the Redgate tool uh, became parts of different pieces of our stack. Um, and so so now it's like we can make updates to the database; those go automatically to prod. We don't have anybody that like is in uh, another department that's kind of gatekeeping the production server, but everything has failover, failback, and and uh, you know thoroughly tested so we went from a very um you know and we saved lots and lots of time around so like you know so so before it was just like quality within the team and then it was um maybe technologies to increase you know uh, productivity and then and then it then gra- gradually even went to like iot technologies and other things like that um very recently uh um like you know amazon aws rds proxy um for uh basically connection pooling across many lambdas um and then uh um i'm thinking about others uh um that have come up but i don't know austin if you have any that are interesting sure yeah yeah for me recently uh so uh, learning time can be solo or
2: group. So for solo ones, I usually have a, a, a stream of the book I'm reading. Uh, so I'm rereading, refactoring the patterns right now. And uh, I usually have a tech set of videos. So I've been doing a lot of Flutter uh, lately. And so whatever tech is needed for at hand, I'm usually uh, watching a video on that. And then uh, also uh, CodeCraft videos. So I've been doing a lot of uh, the clean coder videos uh, group sessions. Um, I've seen some on uh, testing. I've seen some on uh, the mob roles uh, recently. Uh, I recently joined one about uh, uh, refactoring to patterns and uh, unit testing for zombies. Uh, it's like the zero one mini exceptional cases, stuff like that. So that's, that's some recent examples. Uh, uh, we'll be doing lightning talks t- tomorrow. Um, so people... Have an opportunity to do a five-minute talk on anything, uh, work-related, personal, etc., and to share information. Cool. Any follow-up questions to that one? All right. Moving on. Inverse Conway maneuver. Christy, you, you you know anything about that one? Huh. I have no idea. <laughs>
1: yeah uh well um so so i don't know austin do you want to talk a little bit about conway's law or anything along those lines or do you want me to just jump into it uh go ahead and jump into it i was looking up a link on it um, yeah yeah okay that's fine um so so you know conway's law right is this idea that your your infrastructure uh, is reflected by your org structure I can kind of be expanded to like maybe the team habits right your architecture is going to follow your team's habit habitual patterns and so um everybody's kind of heard the two pizza team and things like that where it's like oh you know you've so that was like the, the bezos thing on the amazon where it's like oh keep your teams the uh, so that they can be fed by two pizzas where you know two large pizzas or something which is about eight or nine people right and, um, I, I think I've grown to agree with that over time uh, pretty deeply because we've seen mobs that that operate very fluidly and um, and they're, you know, three, four people, maybe up to eight, and then they're they're totally fine. Um, the The difference between four and eight is like the, the need for a stand up or not. Um, and then when we grew past 12 on on a, on a single product, the architecture began began to become a little bit monolithic in nature. Um, and the, um, at least, you know, so, so it was like serverless monolith where it's like uh, everything is relying on the same database. And so we said like, hey, we really want to have this be separate, independent, kind of horizontally scalable systems. And so um, looking at, the whole, the whole system an inverse Conway maneuver is this idea that you're going to reorganize explicitly around the architecture that you want. And so, um, the idea there is, uh, we, you know, so, so, so the experiment right now is we stop the standup meetings. We break the architecture into desired parts and say, um, the team that was, 16 people is now, you know, four teams of four, and that those teams cannot deploy with their own pipeline. So three other teams have to make their own pipeline. And those teams really can't use the same database. They need to use their own database with like either ETLs or, or some other way to shuttle data around. And, um, and so we've already seen a dramatic increase in the amount of like production, uh, code written and a reduction in the number of standups and a reduction in the number of blocked pipelines. Um, so one team deploys, breaks something on the pipeline and blocks another team. Now that they're independent, teams are deploying independently and solving their own problems right away because no one's going to get in there and fix it for them. Um, and so, uh, so we've seen some pretty big uh, productivity gains already from the inverse Conway maneuver, as well as... Um, uh, you know, just general, the the team seems healthier, I guess is a good way to put it. There's fewer need, like there's less need to get 16 people all, uh, agreed upon a single idea. Now it's just four people. Um, and that's been really great. Nice,
2: nice, nice. Yeah. And, uh, uh, we recently just released an episode on this topic. So I put the link in the, the zoom there. And I think one key clarification is, uh, the code starts to match the communication patterns uh, way more so than like uh, an org chart or something like that. But um, yeah, so you, you, like Chris said, you increase or decrease uh, communication uh, amongst people um, to uh, get the code in a particular way you want to see it. So um, yeah. And uh, I definitely can testify that when we are, in that kind of small, autonomous team where everyone who is needed is there, but no further. Uh, The flow is really, really nice. Um, When it's too few, um, then you're queuing and waiting and you have all the lean waste problems of traditional software development uh, with code reviews and all the different stacks separated and away from each other. And then when it's too many, um, everyone's trying to understand everyone and it just becomes a big communication mess. Uh, So yeah, I, I... I've definitely experienced the effect of Conway. (laughs) Go ahead, George.
3: I'm just gonna say that of the many times I've been at Amazon, one of the things I saw was that the AWS small teams had a tendency to not shrink as the work went down. They started basically producing what I call mini monoliths because they didn't want to shrink the team. Whereas in one of the other companies I've consulted with, they have what what was sort of called the graveyard team that that which I was on. And it it was responsible for 160 still in production but low change ap- applications. Huh. It was a big team. It was 16 people because they basically had a lot to keep try to keep track of. Dang. Fascinating.
2: Cool. How are we doing with uh time, Paige? Uh,
0: I think we're okay. I, I'll actually kind of wrap up here and then we can keep having a conversation if we'd like. Um uh but just in in since we're starting to to have people drop off, um say thank you everybody for showing up. Um this has been fabulous. Thank you very much, uh Chris and Austin. Um Next month, uh, we are going to have, oh golly, where did it go? We are going to have, I just had it and now it is not here. How about that? Um stick. Oh yeah, we're gonna have Paul Moore. That's that's who I was trying to remember. Yeah, and he's gonna actually give us uh that code coverage talk. So um again the the third Thursday of every month and uh and we we'd love to see everybody and uh thank you very much that being said, we can keep talking we this is great yeah. stuff i'm I really enjoying it and especially since my my uh my question is coming up next <laughs> all right yeah, yeah, yeah. i Let's... I'd love to hear about we, uh... we can
1: lightning round this too if we want or something but yeah. yeah we'll...
0: Yeah. Um
1: Yeah, working agreements or team charters. Yeah. Uh so uh the, the teams themselves I think you know do that kind of independently of each other but I will um I will share my I think the where is it? Um So these lofty goals really haven't changed. They, they look a little bit nicer now but um actually yeah right here this this screenshot um so i'll paste that here but maybe austin you can
2: Mm -hmm. uh
1: put it up on the share as well um but and that's off of this blog post here if anybody's interested but um you know so so these are things that we kind of created maybe six years ago that haven't really changed very much so so how do we interact kindness consideration respect be vulnerable hold trust and show appreciation and uh, you know practice psychological safety how do we code no one between code and production uh, this is something that I actually heard from yahoo developers where it's like you know code you know it gets typed in and then it goes into the pipeline and the pipeline makes it all the way to prod uh, clean code uh zero which is the um, uh, the bugzilla when you run out of bugs it says zero so it's like a, kind of an acknowledgement of zero known bugs right um, how do we do business, uh, deliver valuable working software to customers daily? Anyone can take a vacation at any time, zero silos, effective interdepartmental communication, and then how do we innovate, continuously develop the lofty goals and practices, experiment frequently, and develop the software community, which I think we're helping do right now.
2: Nice, nice. And the one thing I'll tag on to this is <clears throat> just like any team or mob varies uh, in style, some teams are very explicit and very formal. With their working agreements, and they're up and posted and talked about, and you know, uh, legislated not not legislated really, but like taken down and modified. And like their and other teams, it's very informal. But you, it's almost like de facto uh, norms that are kind of obvious um, and are talked about often in natural conversation. And then there's obviously things in between. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's it's basically up to each team to figure out what works for them.
0: Excellent.
2: All I right. wonder because
0: teams tend to have working agreements even if they don't discuss them.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, You'll see a lot of them go in like, uh, so, so like definition of done conversations end up happening, um, especially when you have like somebody fresh out of college and a crafter, right? And it's yeah. like, oh, we're ready to move on. I was like, well, no. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, so yeah someone crafter, says, uh... yeah. Works on my machine, no tests. A natural definition of done conversation will happen right then and there in the mob. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it'll it'll be fun. Cool, are we doing lightning round version? Just hit them them fast? Yeah, we can do that. Cool. Uh, Screen controls, a shared cloud system. Yes and no. Uh, So some mob stations that we, any desk or team viewer into, are in a closet somewhere, hooked up to hardware uh, that the software interacts with. Uh, some are in the cloud, um, and I think most are physical at the moment. Chris, if I remember right, yeah, yeah,
1: okay, yeah. Uh, so, so there, yeah. Actually, I have a good add on to this. Um, it's really important to me that the hard drive. So we we use uh, Llewellyn and Falco's approval tests a lot. And they take, um, you know, they do hard, hard drive IO and, um, even SSDs feel slow. Now, when you talk about NVMe M2 SSDs, and it's often, it's hard to have a configuration on the cloud computer. Uh, well, at least before it was, I think, I think I've seen some recent configurations on like AWS for NVMe M2s, but, um, but basically the hard drive IO and the, and having a good graphics driver for uh, working well with Chrome. Um, These are actually things that I I like to consider when making mob hardware. And so it's, you know, um, these end up being physical machines because typically I have hardware requirements um, that I'd like to see for teams to be able to iterate quickly that are based in fastest possible for unit test runs. And because, you know, a mob costs a lot of money to run. <laughs> and so anytime he spend waiting at all is like, you know, developer salary times four plus cost of delay. Right. So um, that number ends up being pretty big. So the developer hardware ends up. Um, yeah, it's important. But yeah, George. Um,
3: my question was really about the problem of variability of the actual remote developers. Do you have yes. a is is there is there like minimum expectations
1: um it depends so so like one big thing because um, you mentioned the 4k resolution TV right um and so uh there are mobs where there are people with really good vision and and really poor vision and they're in the same mob together um and so it becomes it's kind of like becomes a natural working agreement discussion of like hey I really can't read that um so there's two options one you do the get handover like Austin was talking about before. Or you you know kind of go to a common denominator of screen resolution things like that font size whatever, um, but uh, but these these computers are on prem, and they are hosting anydesk sessions and it's using the on prem resolution, and so uh, and and typically that resolution will reflect the, that of typical customers or something so that, that um, in, in that process. Um, and so, yeah, and I think Austin's ready to show something from that here. If you,
3: <laughs> it, it looks oh, wait, actually pretty limited in how much you can see.
1: Uh, yes. So you typically but would have two or three monitors, right? One of them would have the any desk session. So you have one shared monitor, a couple of monitors for like side research and stuff like that, um, chat systems. The, these, uh, anydesk does have the ability to do multi monitor, um, but uh, it's it's a little awkward. And especially because not everybody will be looking at the same thing. So it's nice to have one monitor where everybody's looking at the same thing. And then a couple of monitors where people can branch off quickly.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, in my experience, you usually find the right mix um, and by configuring. So the mob station itself has like a screen resolution. And usually you find a happy medium that works for most people's AnyDesk or TeamViewer. And then within TeamViewer, you can make adjustments on the client side. And so so obviously if the the font is crazy small in the mob station, it's going to be a problem for everybody. But if it's in this kind of like medium mode, then some people on their AnyDesk side can zoom in more or zoom out more and that kind of thing. And so it's different than what you were saying, uh, George, I think it was. Um, So it's not like a... Zoom session where I have a 4K monitor and I'm telling Zoom to share that screen. It's, there's a computer that may or may not have a monitor and then we're all remoted into that. And then the clients of that session can change their resolution to a certain degree. Uh, but it still kind of has the in-person thing that a mob has to figure out what works for them. Uh, so like you have to figure out what IDE you all wanna use and you have different preferences. Uh, the Screen resolution has that problem a little bit, but usually after five, 10 minutes of experimentation, everyone's happy. Um, so
3: thank you. Mm-hmm.
2: Cool, cool. Let me stop this.
1: There we
2: go. Okay, back. <laughs> Stuff we missed about in person.
1: <laughs> oh, no, that was, uh, I think, Jay's question, right?
2: Yeah. Ah, <sighs>
1: the celery crunch.
2: Celery crunch, Um, for me, uh, it's almost a one-for-one translation if you have everything set up and it can take a little bit of work to get everything set up just right, just so. Um, I think the thing, like I see Chris's face, I still hear Chris's ideas when we mob. Um, We still have impromptu conversations to a sense, to a degree. Um, but I think it's less in remote. Um, and I think you can solve that problem, but it becomes more artificial. Um, or when you're in person, the impromptu conversations happen more naturally because you can't not walk by another mob to use the restroom or something like that, (laughs) where I can go get a drink and see no one. Um, even though remotely they're accessible from a click of button away, I'm not forced to walk by them. Uh when I go get a drink, um, I don't know How about you, Chris.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I sort of tried to simulate that with the cross team lean coffees, which is, yeah, the, yeah, it's like the water cooler conversation simulator. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, in, in general, um, you know, I, I, it is that kind of like random interactions that, that, that you end up getting, um, you know, uh, smelling fish being cooked in the microwave. I love that smell. So um, <laughs> no, I, it, it's, yeah, so stuff like that. I don't know. It's, but but we, uh, to simulate the smells, we also shipped uh, smelly markers to everybody on the team. And then we smelt the different colors together at the same time and then talked about the experience together. So we were all kind of smelling the same thing. <laughs> yeah. we, we would often get
0: up and go take a walk, you know, and our Pomodoro timer, would go off. And I, I kind of miss that, you know, that, but it's not the, it's not the mobbing part, right? It's the, it's the rest of the, the part about being around other people and, and interacting and, you know, uh, like you were saying, the, the stuff outside of actually typing code.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, it's, that's totally true. And I think that the, on the positive side of it, uh, for me personally is, uh, when I go get a drink now, uh, when I go get some water, I walk by my kids and my wife. And so I get that interaction, which is a benefit. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you have that less impromptu with your uh, coworkers. So, yeah.
1: Cool.
0: Next. We are at the bottom of the hour. Oh, now, cool. Like, a lot of the people are starting to drop off. So nice. maybe this is a great time to uh, to say thank you again.
1: Yeah, And uh, this you. has been
0: fabulous. And uh don't forget the uh don't forget the notes.
2: The, yes, the let me let me grab the notes and uh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh I'll include it in those notes, I'll put a link to a card where we're collecting lots of the links. So uh it'll it'll all be together in some fashion. So thanks everybody. We really appreciate this time. Uh yeah, I feel honored to to be
1: participating with you all today. And uh yeah, keep an eye out for our job postings as well.
0: excellent and can we send email directly to you yeah yeah absolutely okay (laughs) great thank you all very much (laughs) see everybody have a
1: good one everyone thank you